1: a smashed phone, a cracked tablet, a new battery. At Pair Mobile, we've been the
0: leader in repairs and replacements for 10 years, and now we're celebrating our 10th birthday with a 10% discount. At Pair, we only use high-quality parts fitted by trained technicians, and all screen repairs come with a 12-month warranty. So visit PairMobile.ie and enter Birthday10 for a 10% discount. Also available in-store.
2: Charge up for family adventures with the Land Rover range of plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. With pioneering hybrid technology, the Land Rover range offers the perfect balance of efficiency, power and performance, both on-road and off, making every journey effortlessly refined. Enjoy the road less travelled with ease. Explore the 2021 Land Rover range of plug-in hybrids at LandRover.ie Land Rover. Above and beyond.
3: Today's podcast is brought to you by WebCreatorPros.com. If you're looking for a professional website at an affordable price, head on over to WebCreatorPros.com. Type in the promo code TRUTH to save $200 on your first website, WebCreatorPros.com
4: if you would like to sponsor the show or advertise on the Mythosys podcast you can do so by going to www.mythosys.me and click on sponsor the show for more info if you would like to support the show financially you can do that also by going to mythosys.me and become a monthly supporter we appreciate your monthly support you are now listening to The Mythosis Podcast, your portal to the paranormal, streaming live at mythosis.me. your hub for all things spiritual, esoteric, and paranormal. And now, your host, Truth Seeker.
3: Tonight, we're speaking to Sean Herman of serpentsofbienville.com. As a tattoo artist and writes blogs and excerpts and all types of, of cool art and information that he's into. I want to talk about Serpents of Bienville tonight and, and also get into some of the uh, illustrations that you've put out as well. What's going on, man?
5: How are you doing tonight?
3: I'm doing well, man. It's good to have you on the show.
5: Thank you very much, man. I really, really appreciate it.
3: So uh, Serpents of Bienville, man, like... What does that uh, mean to you, man? Like, what is that?
5: Um, well, it started out from a history slash myth that I loosely heard about, uh, about Bienville, the founder of the Gulf Coast. Um, it He is said to have been fully tattooed from head to toe. And I heard a little bit about it when we were opening up the new shop, which is the Bell Rose. And researching it more made me want to kind of name the shop after that myth and it just didn't really fit when it came to what the shop was going for it was a little a little more dark and a little on a different side than we were really going for so I just kind of had it to the side for a minute and then I continued looking into the history behind it and once I really learned the true history behind the story I knew it was something that I wanted to Start by illustrating, but then to use some of my background in writing and start to write uh, essays or whatever it would be um, on that specific subject of him getting heavily tattooed. Um, And with that myth, what it is is that Bienville was said to have gotten tattooed by the uh, natives in the area toward the mouth of the Delta. Um, They think that it might have been members of the Mavilla tribe. Um, But either way, you know, they said that it was serpents that were the content for the tattoos and that he was tattooed head to toe. Uh, Henri Latrec, which was another French traveler at the time, went into detail about it. He added that there were some more tattoos that he had, like a Jesus and a Mary piece on his stomach and chest. But he was kind of trying to, Uh, talk like it was a bad thing, that he was falling for, that Bienville was falling for the Indianization, which was very popular with the French explorers at the time where they would get obsessed with the native culture and uh, start to kind of re or enact the rituals and do the things that the natives were doing at the time. Um, but he did get heavily tattooed. There are many cite- or different cited essays and historical findings of him being tattooed with snakes. So we're supposed to represent with the natives a sense of camaraderie. Um, and at that point, serpents were actually a sign of good fortune and good luck um, used typically to tie one person to another. Uh, so when I heard that, I just thought that was interesting knowing the background that Bienville had. Um, And knowing how his work and then the work that the English did with natives caused native culture to uh, break down pretty quickly and turning tribes against each other. So some people think that the getting heavily tattooed part was a way of him trying to get the natives to work with him and to fight with him against the English and against other native tribes that had sided with the English for trade agreements. Uh, The funny thing when I actually got into it, into it, which caused the project to grow quicker was when I found a quote that was talking about the actual natives in this area and that they had, uh, I think it was nothing was left, but ash and uh, smoke from what once was a beautiful nation. And the more I was researching on Bienville, I found the same almost line for line thing said about Bienville after he had returned to France. And he had returned to France in uh, pretty much, I guess, the, his brother went crazy. And it was found out that his brother had been spending all this money from the Gulf uh, exploration. So when Bienville ended up back in France, he wasn't liked very well. And he uh, died in what's considered obscurity, and the quote was saying that, because of the cemetery burning down later on, that Bienville's remains too were uh, to be in an ash and disregard and disrepair. And I thought that was an interesting idea of this area, maybe being founded in this oath that uh, one man made with natives, and the importance of that oath coming to fruition, uh, what that may say for the area, for the different things that happen, and this or that. Um, That was where it started. And then uh, it grew and has been growing and growing in different ways to where we're now a um, multimedia uh, southern storytelling preservation project. Um, We have an art gallery. We have a museum. Um and then we have the blog and we've got a podcast, a five episode podcast series that's being soundtracked right now. Um, and hopefully we'll be starting the printing side of uh Serpents with some self publishing uh, by this fall. That's awesome,
3: man. So that's kinda was this was this the first uh piece that you that you done that kinda inspired everything else?
5: Yeah, that was the first piece I did. I was actually uh, inspired for the visual from it, from a statue, this ironwork, that is in Mobile that's uh, by the tunnel, by the Bankhead Tunnel. And it's a hand with a serpent around it and then a native next to it. And when I saw that, it uh, resonated. And then the more that I read on the story and the more I was learning the history, just this idea of one man aligning himself with a a nation and trying to uh, get them to work with him and to have this oath with them based upon tattooing was such a beautiful thought and idea. And it was something that I was really proud to have in this area like that tattooing being here, I think is something that people in this area wouldn't really expect.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I never knew that. I mean, you hear the name, Uh, You see the name everywhere, but, you know, nobody really knows the story. And I think the last thing people would think is that he was covered from head to toe in tattoos of serpents and religious symbols and things like that, man.
5: Yeah, it's interesting, too, to me, because you get these through the stories, you get two different sides of it. You know, his brother, Iberville, uh, he was with Bienville whenever they discovered the whole area. They came up on Dolphin Island, which was called Massacre Island, and found you know these white dunes that were like the size of mountains. And the closer they got, they learned that a majority of what they thought were mountains were piles of bones, and that's why they called Dolphin Dau- Island Massacre Island. And it turns out they thought it was natives that had slaughtered their own people, but what had happened is earlier a hurricane had hit Dolphin Island, which that end of the island was a burial ground. So it had ripped the island open and tossed all the bones and remains all over the island. So they came upon this area with that mindset immediately that this was this whole undiscovered dark area. And Bienville at that time was young. I mean, I think he was 16, maybe Um, they had just fought the English and when he had fought with his brother against the English, he was 12 and then came into these explorations. So he's a young man. His brother's a few years older than him. And, you know, eventually his brother's embezzling money and he gets stuck in the situation that is him in a whole new land, a whole new experience, whole new everything, trying to hold everything together, hold everything down with the French and the heads of the, the French exploration teams and all of that, no longer trusting him because his brother got caught embezzling. His brother actually got malaria in the Gulf coast, yellow fever or malaria. They're not a hundred percent sure. And uh, he took an Island hostage uh, off of Cuba. <laughs> they, they sent, he went back to Paris to uh, be doing the finances while Bienville was here. And They sent him to Cuba, and it was on this island outside of Cuba that they were exploring that he lost his mind and just took the whole island hostage and then passed away. Uh, I want to say it was outside of what would be Havana now uh, from the yellow fever. So Bienville just was always in this place that it seemed like he was always trying to do something and trying to make something happen, and it kept not happening it kept being this issue every time time and time again you know wars fights all kinds of different things different battles different uh things villages getting set up uh, all kinds of explorations just kept on being problematic and it was interesting reading it how much i felt like it it kind of reflected what i grew up with in this area and kind of knowing about this area with every time we would try to have something happen, try to have something new, this or that, it kind of felt like everybody said that same thing of, well, it's just what always happens here. This is always what happens in this area. And that kind of struck a chord to me with this idea. Did Bienville's sacred oath that he make not only reflect his demise, but potentially did that create a foundation for this area That it'll always be working with Mm
6: -hmm.
5: you know is is that the reason why we are always doing the things we're doing in the sense of like working against something or trying to fix something or this or that yeah It, it, it made it very real to me and i think that's what i loved about it is that it was a story but then historically it checked out so much and uh the essay for that that has all of that actual information and all of the sources cited and all of that is on the uh, Serpent's site.
3: Yeah. You guys can go to, to the website serpentsofbienville.com, um, even as we're talking about it and check out the artwork. This first one that we've been covering is uh, entitled Serpents of Bienville. And you can see that piece there as well. That's the first one we've covered and also going into the Massacre Island one as well. Let me ask you this about the the Serpents of Bienville piece. That hand with the serpent on it, is that the, the same logo or, or
5: or symbol that
3: is used for the um, Moundville tribe up there?
5: I haven't seen the Moundville one, I think, but maybe once or twice. Uh-huh. So I couldn't really say 100% on that. But the funny part is, though, I did get a phone call randomly from a guy who I had been texting a phone number that I thought was a local uh, bookstore owner, and it wasn't it was this guy who was obsessed with that area and the native uh, culture that was up around the Mm Mountainville area. Um, So he called me one day and it was real x Filesy, like guy just talking, telling me stuff. And he was very educated, really smart, but he just starts telling me all this stuff that's from all this research he did tying in Red Eagle, tying in, uh, Jackson, the massacre of Fort Mims, like all these mm. different things into uh like the the sacred mark of the serpent. Yeah. And he was you know asking me if I knew anything about it and that side of it I hadn't researched as much because a majority of what I stuck with was more of the actual Bay Area. Yeah. Um so he's just telling me over and like all the <laughs> stuff and he's like, You you hear me, you hear me, you follow, you follow? <laughs> And he called me on my phone, so it's a cell phone. I was at Home Depot with my family, (laughs) and I'm, like, looking up to try to get stuff for fixing something at the house. My daughter at the time is two, so she's, like, yelling, screaming, having a great time. And I'm just trying to hear him like and process this and be like, Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I think I know yeah, sure. I mean he was light years ahead of me on that subject because mm-hmm. of how long he had researched it. So um all that being said, yeah, I don't fully know. I got the imagery again kind of from that piece of on iron. the building, right? Yeah. Yeah. It it's it's a hand and the serpent's like yeah. around it in a different way. It's exactly. more exactly. By- yeah, it's cool.
3: like it's tied together yeah okay, yeah yeah and then the hand in the center of the hand you have the you have the eye as well right
5: um you know i don't know actually if the, in that statue it's got it you can if you go yeah to,
3: I, yeah yeah. i'm actually on it now yeah
5: are you on it okay yeah because yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's in that essay and okay. you can you know make it bigger and see um okay, yeah you my, i might okay. noticed the the actual hand that was in that Or not the hand, but the eye that was in the hand.
3: Well, yeah, there's actually a couple different renditions that they have. But the one that they use in Moundville, which I believe it is the one on on side of the building downtown, which the uh, eye represents God, right? We know that all of the ancient cultures used the eye as a symbol for God or the sun, uh, God's eye watching over humanity. And even in Moundville, if you go to the museum, they have all of their literature and stuff about the eye in the hand representing God and man dwelling together. So it's pretty neat. Hmm.
5: That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. So I yeah, so, that
3: yeah the, uh, that's cool with that symbol. And, and as well as I went to the, the Cherokee museum in Oklahoma, and then, so they had all of the uh, same symbolism, the eye in the hand and even the mm-hmm. eye in, in the triangle as well. And they, they had their whole write up on it about it, symbolizing God and man. And then we know, the Egyptian culture uses the eye. So all of these other cultures all over the earth use this symbol as the eye representing God.
5: And it makes sense. I I think it's one of those ties that humanity has Mm -hmm. uh, with symbolism that will always kind of unite humanity because of the view that the soul is through the eyes and that you can know what somebody's coming from through the eyes. I think that culturally you can always find that. So, to mix that with an idea of an oath with a hand I think makes complete sense it's really cool it's neat it's something that I didn't even with this imagery didn't even like take into account you know with this one I was more combining the the serpent and then the blood with the drops coming down and the reason being was is it a good or a bad thing i was leaving ambiguous in the sense of was Bienville honorable or was Bienville the beginning of the end <laughs> for a native culture? You know, like when you, when you look at it historically, you see that the culture broke down. Like it was much more than just the trail of tears. You get yeah. different characters in the culture that are now natives that are mixed with European culture. So like uh William Weatherford came from a very upper class Scottish royalty and then upper, class native royalty. So you get a whole different thing with red Eagle being this like known, um, man that's at a higher hierarchical level. Like a lot of the things I was reading, it was talking about how native culture would pick up from European culture and start to have a hierarchy of people that are lower than and people that are higher than, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me because that's just something I personally don't subscribe to or believe in. Yeah. So to see that, in a culture get picked up it becomes something bigger than just blaming europeans for destroying something beautiful it becomes this idea of how man is influenced and does things on their own that will destroy a culture yeah (laughs) you know like it, it it they picked up this this thing and ran with it which i mean i think ultimately that is the the thing that destroys everything is power, the hunger for power and the idea of control and controlling others, controlling what people do, what they can do. Um, It it is the number one source of what destroys everything. That thirst for power is what is wrong. You know, if you, if you take out, In vocabulary, I'm a big fan of breaking down vocabulary. I think that a lot of times with words and ideas, we end up actually losing people instead of getting more people with a bigger word. So, you know, in religion, for instance, if you were to ask somebody, you know, are you a Christian? Um, My father-in-law, whenever I asked him for my wife's hand in marriage, it was the second time I'd ever been around him and uh, his first question to me was, well, are you a Christian? And that's important to him and his family. And I was like, well, uh, sir, you know, just, let's break down vocabulary. <laughs> um, I personally believe that we're all tied together by a force of love and positivity. Um, if you want to call that creation God, that's wonderful. Um, I think that that force and thing that unites us is what we can see in each other it's when you see beautiful art beautiful music is made that feeling you can't explain Um, all of those things are that that energy being exercised that we all have that's within us but that is also much bigger than us that we just partake in um i break down again vocabulary-wise, sin being separation from God. So sin would be a separation from this unity that we have and this uh, separation from the creativity, from reaching out for others, from loving others, from trying to unify us into one uh, consciousness, one one thought. Um, then, yeah, I, I don't like sin either. I think sin is bad. And, and I would believe that that is something that I would be trying to work against and try to unite people and focus on love and focus on positivity. Um, you know, if, if you want to call that anything, you can call it whatever you like. And I, I hope, you know, that answers your question. And he's, he's a trip. We always make comments about him being uh, <laughs> like a, a white Steve Harvey. And uh, he just goes, well, boy, yes, it does. And uh, gave me a huge hug and was like, of course you can marry my daughter. And was amazing and sweet. Um, I'm very fortunate. My in-laws are, by far, the most amazing people I've gotten to be around um but all that being said i I think that that vocabulary is what tends to be used as a control method to separate people yeah. and to let those that have power in a selfish route maintain that power
6: yeah
5: um you Definitely. know i don't I don't believe that man is innately really malicious you know you do have your freak situations and you have your you know horrible psychopathic things but overall i think that we all want a similar thing and that is to be loved and to love and it's something that we have the power to do and once we realize that we are the ones in control and not others that are supposed to have this power we realize that, as a individual, we have all the power we need over ourselves and that we don't need someone else telling us how to live what to do, and all these things, then we can really be a, a force that can do something. Um, I think with a lot of the the art going back to serpents, um, the art pieces I've created and the essays I wrote with it all share that reflection and that sentiment
6: mm-hmm.
5: you know it's something that's been important to me for. Oh, man, I guess almost going on 20 years now, um, and it's something that is always in what I create. And so I think no matter what, it ends up coming back to that central theme of uh, unity and of power being taken away from a large group. You know, There's no need to let someone else control you. Yeah. If you want to do something, do it. Um, That's also what the project ended up picking up and becoming more of than um, an art project. We uh, grew as a collective, and my wife came on board and is amazing and does so much beautiful, amazing writing and just a whole different thing for the whole project. You know, I always say that her stuff is like, the sweet good stuff like the dessert that you want to have and it's the best part of the writing and then my stuff is like the cough medicine that you can only have so much of and then you're kind of like "Ah, i gotta step back um so our our main thing at this point with the project became we want to be able to have something to help others be able to do whatever they want You know, if you want to be a writer, then we want you to be on our blog and we want to publish your stuff on our blog. We want to get your words out there to people. Uh, If you want to eventually publish books, then yeah, we want to talk to you and try to figure out how we can go about doing that, how we can help you. You know, if you want to be an artist and have a place to sell your art, we open the gallery for that reason so that all the people that say, well, I'm not an artist, you know, I don't, I've never sold anything have a venue to sell things, you know, it's attempting to take the fear and the, the power out of hands that aren't doing anything and putting it back into the hands of the individual.
6: Mm -hmm.
5: So that way, if, you know, if you were like, I want to be an artist, how can I dedicate my life to being an artist? There's a, a small area that can do that. You know, you have a place you can sell your stuff. You have a place where you can do this. Um I think that's really the main goal overall for the project is to be something to help our community and the people around us and I think that becomes reflected in what we do with the history side of it and what we do with uh working with the community working with um you know the local civic groups and different charity groups and it uh it becomes pretty obvious when you really delve into the site, like, Oh, that's what they're doing. <laughs> I think on the surface, a lot of times people are like, Oh, it's a lot of cool little weird stories. <laughs> and, and then you like read into it. And it's like, Oh wow. They've got a lot more going on. Okay.
6: Yeah.
3: Speaking of cool little weird stories, man, I wanted to get into another piece. Definitely want to talk about this one. The Crybaby baby bridge uh, piece, man. I want to talk about that a little bit.
5: Okay. Um, Yeah, Crybaby Bridge came from, it was funny, actually, when I lived in Birmingham, we had a Crybaby Bridge. Oh, wow. So, and it was, you know, something we, I went there for college, so I grew up here, and then I moved there for a few years for college. Um, We would drive out to Crybaby Bridge, and there's always the same story about a, you know, pregnant mom, teen mom that had to get rid of the baby or, you know, something, something that was always again, taking power out of the hands of like women and trying to put it into the hands of a patriarchal society. And I thought it was odd when I, I started to hear about it here. And I was like, well, I would love to do an illustration for this piece. Let me, let me read into it and look further. And the Crybaby bridge that's uh Kalioka road was a pretty different story from the standard, what I was used to. Um, it definitely it, what i wrote in the piece i don't know if you got to read that the yeah. the what i wrote story wise in the piece came from only like a paragraph of an actual story you know i, I read a quick thing that just basically said that it you know a uh, slave owner or yeah slave owner, plantation owner's wife slept with a slave um the plantation owner had the slave tied to a tree, hands cut off and then killed. And then the, it didn't even really give an explanation. It just said that the woman, I guess was pregnant and died. Like there wasn't a lot of a connection or story. It was almost kind of that, that Southern thing that sometimes people just feel like, yep, that's just how it was. Okay. <laughs> and like continue going with it. And I, I, I felt like there was a lot more there knowing the history of the area at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the myths that I do the drawings for, I tend to try to find the history that is with the myth at the time to really try to explain why were these people saying these things? Why is this the explanations that they chose for these ideas? You know, instead of whitewashing something and just saying, Uh, yeah, obviously racism's awful and atrocious or sexism or all these things. And just trying to walk away from it, I wanted to delve deeper into it. And I wanted to look at the nitty gritty and see what was there. Um, And for me, that one, uh, the story resonated deeply and uh, was something that was like writing it was emotional for me. Um, I think in my mind, there's a much bigger world in that story that I haven't written yet with uh, the slave owner's wife and her, you know, like having this love with the slave that was real and this sense of loss and complete and utter like isolation that she had. And then this idea that the suicide, that she committed after birthing the baby um was an escape like trying to turn a lot of stories on and beliefs on their head yeah. and having a different viewpoint on death you know instead of crybaby bridge being oh this woman jumped off the bridge with her baby because she was
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Was pregnant at 15, and we don't do that. End of story. Um, I tried to, and for those of you who haven't read it, the story basically after the slave is uh, tied to the tree in my story, and his hands cut off, they leave him there, and from her kitchen window, she watches his body decompose on the tree.
0: our best ever sky black friday offer is here get sky q
1: with the tv you love all in one place and ultra fast sky broadband for our best wi-fi all around your home plus you can choose from sky sports or sky
0: cinema all for just 55 euro a month for 12 months don't miss sky's best ever black friday offer just search sky black friday new customers only availability subject to location minimum term and further terms apply for more info see sky.ie slash speeds offer ends november
4: Ah, audio via your smart speaker. A wonderful hands free experience, leaving you more time to unwrap a miniature whisper. Pick up a box of Cadbury Heroes today. Stay at home and share them with your family or friends. Sometimes it's the little things that bring us together.
5: And it's all she sees for months and months. And then she realizes she's pregnant. And it has to be his baby. And it becomes the only thing keeping the shell of a human being going. But you don't really know why it's keeping her going. And then in the birthing and everything like that, she'd hidden the pregnancy. And then I have her go down to the river and birth the child next to the tree um, and there's this this visual of the blood from the birth and then mixing in with the blood that flowed from her her love's death being tied to the tree um, and everything mixing and then just holding the baby and dropping in the water and that the pain that you typically get from drowning is this warm sensation that they say like embraces you. So to have that warm sensation that embraces her be. the the love of her life coming to take her back to where she belonged. um, It became something for me that was a lot greater and bigger. And I think it's something I I would like to explore further. I think in a lot of writing, because I don't think that viewpoint on death is typically looked at. (laughs) Usually, usually death's the very dark negative thing. It's kind of like, well, what if this really was her only, Like, what if this was the way out? What if she actually did, like, win, (laughs) if that sounds odd? But, you know, it's exploring it from a a different vantage point. So a lot of the piece was that, and then the other parts of the piece, I I tied in a lot dealing with uh, all the other Crybaby bridges. There's 150 Mm -hmm. in America, um, and a majority of them tie to you know, a woman, unwed with a, with a mother.
3: Child. Yeah. This is one that kind of hit home for me because like I remember back in high school, we used to always drive down there on a uh, Cryberry bridge. And I remember one night, you know, we drove across the bridge and drove really slow and had the windows down. It's like, okay, if you drive across the bridge and then you can hear a baby crying. Right. And uh, right. I know right. we were driving across the bridge, had the windows down really slow. And I heard this loud shriek and I jumped man it kind of it kind of shook me I was like wow, what the what the hell is that and what it was it was the um the brake pads screeching but at you know <laughs> in, you know what I'm saying in that moment yeah. you're trying to listen Do you hear anything it's like wow man that, right. you know so yeah we used to go swimming down there man and that was definitely um something that was a part of our um you know teenage years going on there swimming and everything and then Right there, where the um, the old house was, was like right across the street from it. You would go down this dirt road right there, and that's where they said the um, the slave you know lived or whatever. And, and they used to call him eight foot Negro or the nine yeah. foot Negro, right?
5: And yeah, um, most of the myths they'll have um, when, especially when it comes into racism, mm-hmm. uh, the the person that's in the end persecuting whatever white man it is. Um, will usually be a giant. Yeah. I don't know if that's a way to try to, like for the white male to go, well, obviously he was a giant, and that's why I almost lost. Not, you know, this is... Kind a of like th- the
3: Green Mile or something like that? You gotta have yeah, giant that
5: thing. It's, yeah. It's something that was tied to Native culture too. They said that the Natives in the area were Giants that were like eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I think with this one, it was it was similar where they were saying that with the... The slave, and that's what what I liked in that was trying to take that and, like you said, with Green Mile, actually, that visual of giant not equaling violence, but giant yeah. equaling like love, humility, I mean, yeah, yeah, and embrace
3: giant, yeah,
5: yeah, and especially for this woman who had obviously had a life that was horrific already with abuse from a husband to find a true embrace from something of a, a larger size a larger or larger being in the end mm-hmm. you know i i i like the idea of taking what's there that was used in a negative way and redefining it you know redefining what it is and making it into something positive and greater for sure
3: mm-hmm. um we actually drove down there one time and we would always go down to the house and kind of look around like you know Looking in the woods to see if we see this this figure, they said, who, who was still down there, whether it was a ghost or, or you know, whatever it was, or it was a, a family member. But the house was all broken down and everything. And I remember one time we went back there and we seen this really huge uh, black guy, you know. And uh, mm. seeing it was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Let's get out of here whatever. It uh, kind of spooked us. So I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, i seen a ghost or i seen somebody who's living down there now. But I will say this was back in like 1998 that I definitely went down there and seen um, some uh, really tall uh, African-American guy walking um, through the property down there.
5: Well, and you never know what things are. I mean, I, I'm the first to never say anything is or isn't. Yeah.
3: You know, I don't. The, exactly. I don't know
5: enough. You know, like yeah. I, I don't know how how things are, especially when you when you can scientifically prove mm-hmm. that energy leaves a mark, yeah. and that it, it happens all the time. Then who's to say that there's not obviously the energy from people because we emit such a large amount of it yeah. that might leave a mark, or who's to say that since we operate within the constraint of time all death is, is breaking outside of that dimension and being in a whole different plane because of breaking out of the dimensions and constraints of time. Who's to say, we're not going to see something that also did that. And we happen to be able to experience it in that moment. Yeah, You, know, you, never, you never know. So I'm, I'm always one that I love the scientific explanations behind a lot of things. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of um, a lot of the, like the amazing Randy, who uh, the magician? He's phenomenal, phenomenal person. Um, who was known for debunking, and you know he did this job of debunking yeah. all the new age stuff that was going yeah. on in the seventies and eighties into the holiness preachers that did faith healing but were just swindling money from old ladies. Yeah. Um, I lo- I loved his outlook on it because I think you can still have the mystery. And I think if you know the whole story, it actually adds this layer that's even better. Yeah. You know, like once you even, let's say you you give away a little bit of the history of a story and you're like, well, I don't know if it's true. It's probably not. Here's the history of it. A lot of people will be like, oh, well, now it's not scary. Now it's not, you know, <laughs> uh, mystical. Yeah. And to me, it becomes another layer of like, well, actually, now you've just added another person into it that it makes it more interesting like it it makes it something bigger so I'm always a fan of hearing other people's like experiences or responses to things because of that well that's different
3: that's the whole thing too like you were saying at the beginning about just the terms and the words and breaking down the words and what do you mean and that's kind of what I found on myself in that place and I've seen on your website and talked to some people who spent some time with you as well said that uh, you used to be a a pastor or or preacher.
5: I was going to school for it. Yeah, I did. Um, I was an intern at a Southern Baptist church for a while, and then the youth pastor I was interning under, um, he left. And so for that interim, uh, myself and another guy were doing the duties of the youth pastor. And then I went to, after graduating high school, I went to Memphis and did missionary work, and then I went to college at Samford in Birmingham where I was studying uh, religion and was probably looking at either pastoring or doing missions, evangelical uh, preaching. And so I I preached throughout the uh, state of Alabama on Sundays and then uh, did speaking occasions and whatnot for student led groups, uh youth revivals, all kinds of stuff. How sure. did you
3: get started with that? Was it a, a spiritual experience? I had knowledge did you grow up in it? How would you actually come into that?
5: Um see, I I'm funny about it and this is why I never I'm big on like encouraging what people yeah, think and believe. So like for instance, you know, you're you're a Christian and I respect that immensely and I think that you, knowing that that's what feeds you and keeps you going, yeah. I'm going to do my best to be able to have the uh, knowledge of scripture and knowledge yeah. of things to encourage okay. you.
3: Okay, so the so the reason I ask you that is because I don't want to try to defend what I believe or whatever, but I do want to kind of break down, like you said at the beginning, like... The terms because whether we call it uh faith healing whether we call it this type of things or we call it the placebo effect mm -hmm. we can we can understand that something's going on with religion and spirituality as well right whether we call it jesus whether we call it god or universal energy there's something there so that's kind of that's kind of where i want to build with you and just kind of hear your story and kind of build on top of that because i I really don't care what we call it honestly you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying well
5: And I, uh, I only have that, my, my warning intro, um, just because (laughs) personally I don't, I don't consider, I don't, uh, consider myself as being anything. I I don't, I don't necessarily have a belief that I, I stick to. I think the closest for me in anything is, uh, anarchism Uh is something that's been important to me for a long time. And it's a huge part of my life and my thoughts. Um, but outside of that, it's, you know, it's not, when I was involved in the church, uh-huh. I got involved in the church because I wanted to help people. I really love the idea of uh, something that I can say something that will make somebody examine things and potentially grow as a person on their own, Um I love the idea of helping people. It's something that for whatever reason I'm very passionate about because of that naturally, like the church kind of jumped on and we're like, Oh, well, you'd be a wonderful preacher. You'd yeah. be very good at this, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, and I didn't have the background of a family that would necessarily like tell me, Oh yeah, you could be this. You could be that. Like I wasn't super yeah. close with my family and it was, it was a very different world. You know, I was, I experienced a lot of things um, with my mom because of her being bipolar and manic depressive that kids don't see and they're not supposed to. So, to have this family atmosphere of a church tell me, like, you could do this, I just jumped and was like, okay, yeah, I can do it. And I started doing, I started preaching, but it wasn't, it was out of ignorance, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I was very ignorant. And at the time, I knew nothing. You know, I, I thought I knew what I was doing and I didn't. And then I, I got out of that situation and I was, when I got out of it, I was very angry and I was very, uh, black and white. You know, it was this or this, I, I don't believe this. So I am not yeah. this and blah, blah, blah. All that to be said, the older I've gotten, the more I'm really understanding that it, it is, you know, vocabulary uh-huh. and connection and, and all of these things that actually matter um, you know, and going back into like these ideas of what religion can do and things that happen that are seen, you know, I think it's, uh, interesting. It's interesting because placebo effect, um, I actually am doing a lot of research on Edgar Casey and mm-hmm. placebo effect yeah. Yeah. and, um, placebo effects, not always bad and it's not regarded as bad by science. I think it's a dirty word for people yeah. because they think it means their miracle is what, n- yeah. being said. It's not true. Um, but a placebo effect really means that the mind fixed the situation yeah. typically. Yeah. Um, which is in itself really interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's an interesting idea that our brain does this. Um, and I think that's where you can find a lot of the miracles, you know, um, yeah. take for instance, like Richard Dawkins. He's, Known as an atheist author and arguer. Um, beautiful writer. If you could get him to not talk about Christianity, it'd be great because he's just a jerk
1: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary.
0: Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: When it comes to the yeah, religion yeah. side of it. Um, but if you overlook that side of it and you just read what he writes about science and the miracle of grass growing, um, it's beautiful. It's this amazing thing where he's talking about the amount of things that have to line up and happen for one blade of grass to even grow. And that's outstanding. And to me, that's just amazing. That's astonishing. And all of these things all unite daily for us to live, to function, to do all these things. So the idea of little miracles to me is, um, I don't want to say asinine, um, but they're always happening. Yeah, and I definitely. think sometimes we look to certain things as a miracle and we may be overlooking what the true miracle is Mm -hmm. you know you you may be thinking that the miracle is going to be lazarus rising from the tomb but perhaps the actual miracle in the situation is that lazarus dies Mm -hmm. you know and that's a whole different idea and a whole different mindset of perhaps our reality that happens is the miracle and those are the things that we, we don't even understand or comprehend them happening. You know, the fact Lazarus was born really is a miracle. The fact that he walked, the fact that he did anything is amazing. Um, and unfortunately, I think religion has a way, at least I'll say modern day evangelical yeah. Christianity, has a way of searching for a miracle while ignoring the divine. And it's—I was one of those, and that's why I say it that way. You know, I'm—I'm I'm not proud of it, and I feel that I uh, overlooked a lot for a long time until I realized that you know it's—it's it's a big deal that we get to breathe. Yeah, every
3: breath <laughs> is a prayer, man. Yeah, thank you yeah, for love. every moment that we do have on this side as well. You know.
5: Well, you only have so much, you know, my, uh, my mom passed away last week and it was very sure. important to me to be there with her, um, as I was for my stepdad when he passed away, but to be there holding their hand and to not fear death and to talk to her the entire time, mm-hmm. you know, she's unconscious. Uh, he was unconscious too when he passed three years ago, but to be able to be the one to tell them the entire time, like you did good. No, the world loves you. We love you. We're proud of you. You are an amazing person. Your life was miraculous. We're so grateful that you were here. You know, that to me is a miracle.
3: Do you feel that um, maybe Jesus was doing that as well in his ministry? I, and so we tried to kind of take a, uh, and try to brand a religion off of a spiritual practice from the East, and we've kind of marketed and westernized it over here?
5: Well, the, the interesting part with, you know, Jesus, which it's Jesus is funny just because what we know of Jesus is almost like how we know of Santa Claus. It's created by a greeting card company. Um, (laughs) A lot of our ideas, I think, are the same way with Jesus. Um, Which, you know, good or bad, I wouldn't even say that that's bad. If somebody's uplifted, cool, that's great. Um, But I think that with Jesus, when you look at historically, Jesus was one of hundreds of men that said that they were the Jewish messiah at mm-hmm. the time like it was it was a a time of it's the end of the world you know similar to the so, 1900s and you have the rise of the the uh charismatic churches the evangelical charismatic churches that were preaching that revelation was upon us yeah um you had a similar time yeah so You know, to say that Jesus is anything, I guess, for me is hard just because what I'm going off of historically is the Gospels, which were written at minimum 90 years after these actions were said to have happened, and then letters that were written by people to churches. Um, So, and I don't belittle it when I say that, but it's more of maybe this idea of Jesus is the idea of the group of us of you know if you want to say early christianity if you want to say uh, civilization if you want to say man um so maybe looking at jesus from that connotation as being something that is us and a part of us then i would say i think it is natural for us um or jesus to have been going out there and wanting to connect with people Mm-hmm. And wanting to make people know that they are a miracle and that they are important and that yeah. they matter. You know, it's if you do go into those those writings, there are interesting things of this idea of a man that hung out with prostitutes and yeah. carpenters and, you know, the nitty gritty. You know, people will always ask me, what's it like working in a tattoo shop? I'm sure you you see everything. And, uh, you know, you get, uh, you're around a crowd enough that's a certain way, and you just get used to how things are, and you know how people are going to act, and nothing really surprises you anymore. And I think Jesus is, that idea of Jesus is written in there is probably the same thing. And it's probably a a guy that would would have been a little bit nitty-gritty, hot-headed, you know, casting money changers out of the temple. (laughs) You know, like, this idea of, Jesus, I think, is such a great reflection of just humanity as a whole. You know, the anger and the loss and in the same breath, the connection. You know, you get the guardian of Gethsemane and you get him sweating blood and then you get his last words of, oh my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? I mean, what person hasn't felt that way? Yeah. You know, what person hasn't felt that they've been abandoned? by by everything, you know, and, and that they're alone. And what person also hasn't felt the strength of a miracle? So I, I guess long story short to answer your question, yes, sure, Jesus did do those things. And I would say Jesus is also a reflection of humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and that maybe this idea of, you know, you will do these miracles too is a, a different type of a reference than we've been taking it. Mm -hmm. And and what if it's a way of saying that this one character is more of a reflection of what we could be as a civilization? Mm -hmm. You know, we could do these things, too, instead of it being on the selfish, hierarchical level of, you know, good, better, best, bestest. It's we're all on that. and Maybe that means that we all could function in this way. If we were able to show unconditional love, maybe that's the secret, you know,
3: definitely is, man. And so I want to just kind of touch on all of all of these things to kind of paint a picture of, you know, why you do what you do and what really inspires you to kind of see the path that you've taken and where you are today. I wanted to, I guess, go a little bit deeper and just ask you, since we're talking about some of these things that are supernatural or spiritual or whatever, um, have you ever had any type of spiritual encounter or paranormal encounter as a as a child or in your life that kind of, uh, I guess, opened up your eyes of wonder to kind of get into some of these things, whether it be Christianity or whether it be uh, Crybaby Bridge and these type of stories? Like, what kind of drew you to that? Have you had any uh personal encounter with something that felt like it was otherworldly
5: so it's funny because this is stuff i've always been into since i was a kid mm-hmm. forever i was into horror films ghost stories um all of it I, i'm always interested in any sort of outside countercultural thing um but no i've never had those experiences that I would deem as otherworldly, but I've had experiences I can't explain.
6: Yeah.
5: Um, but it could just be my mindset, my brain that I will just sit and stare and I'll think that a blade of grass is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I'm just not looking at it in the same way, but I, I've definitely had things that, uh, I still am not sure what happened. You know, I wrote about one piece, uh, for the website on, uh, exorcism and it was an exorcism I performed, um, in Memphis. And in the essay, I talk about my point of view on it, but then I also take hysterical or hysterical, not funny, historical points of view. Um, I take historical points of view to point out places where exorcism has helped certain people and has killed other people. Um, and where it kind of left me at the end of that, um, which was not where I thought I would have been, you know, I, I, after the whole encounter and it left me uh, with more pain and problems and, Hmm. Uh, doubt of my own actions and my own thoughts more than anything
3: yeah (laughs) just trying to see what the hell's going on yeah i mean phenomenon yeah definitely
5: i think once once you've seen a guy in front of you beating his head into concrete while screaming and you don't understand like literally screaming and it sounds like his vocal cords are ripping
3: yeah there's some weird stuff that happens totally
5: It's, you know, I don't, I would say maybe everything in the world in my eyes is supernatural. So to me, that same experience gave me the same amount of uh, question or remorse as trying to talk a friend down from suicide. Yeah. You know, nobody would say that that was a supernatural event that they did or encountered. But for me, it's the exact same feeling you know trying to talk somebody away from that feeling of being abandoned and being lost is typically the same feeling people get in this idea of being scared and of ghosts and of this or that you know fear will dictate so much of where our brain goes with things yeah and Definitely. i th- i think that the everyday thing with that can be uh sometimes lost you know, in looking for, you know, in looking for a UFO, perhaps we looked past a bird flying by that looks more beautiful than anything we've ever seen, or is something we'll never comprehend, you know?
3: Have, um, have you seen a UFO? <laughs> <laughs> because um, because, because they're pretty awesome, too, man.
5: <laughs> I, yeah, and, and I will say, I mean, I'm, I'm very interested in um, conspiracy culture.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, that's why when you mentioned Jordan Maxwell, I was like, oh, wow, yeah. yeah. Um, my interest in conspiracy – I haven't seen a UFO, though, to answer okay. that. Um, but my interest in conspiracy culture is I want to know why these guys are who they are. Like, why do we know – who these people are. Why is Alex Jones a name that like resonates that we hear and that we can be like, yeah, they really, they, they're saying something. (laughs) Why do we think that, you know, like what, what happened? And when you get back into their history, yeah. Um, Oh man, it's crazy. I mean, when you get into the history of why these guys are where they're at, I mean, so many of them, it's the early days of the internet. Yeah and it's message boards and it's yeah. these different things that they're talking to each other about, you know, it, it's that's, I guess it goes into that whole thing again of saying like, maybe we're overlooking what is really yeah. interesting.
3: Yeah. I think some, yeah. I think once the newness wears off a lot of those guys and that newness can take a couple of years, maybe uh, once you right. kind of see everybody doing the same song and dance and he's, they're just, some, some of them making it up as they go along as well because they're playing off of your sense of awe and, and wonder. But once the newness wears off and the magic wears off, you can kind of see past the song and dance and kind of see what's going on. So I definitely understand where you're coming from with that.
5: I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, I think that um, there's some really beautiful ideas that come with their theories. Um So I'm not necessarily one that's against the idea of like a UFO or anything like that. Um, One of my favorite people in life in general (laughs) um, is Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks uh, was a comedian that I think to me was more of what I would view as like a a speaker, a prophet. Um, Mm -hmm. He had a way of, of unifying people and of connecting us Via a dick joke mm-hmm. or <laughs> via some beautiful exactly. spiritual thing, you know, at, at the end of uh, one of his pieces for Revelations was the title of it, and it was this piece he filmed. Um, he just out of nowhere mentions ending it like, So, what's this about? and he has this analogy of everything coming down to a choice between living through the eyes of fear or the eyes of love, and that for me, was such a profound statement. And I mean, to the point of when I spoke at my mom's funeral last week, that's what I used as my message and speaking was the importance of living through the eyes of love and that a life lived without fear is a life well lived. Um, I think that There's something in those words that he said that it it can unify and connect us. And he has a piece that he wrote in what's now this novel that came out of his work um, where he was –
4: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: On a uh, psychedelic and what he saw was this cabin on the top of the mountain and this light rising up from the valley and he ran out of the cabin and his wife and children Uh, mind you, Bill Hicks was never married, never had any kids, but he knew in this, this vision that this was his wife and kids and that the UFO was rising up in this emotional thing. He writes about seeing it rise up and open up and they all went into it and he knew that he was going to be home and it was this like beautiful, amazing experience. Um, so I don't.
0: Imagine a career where you could travel the world promoting the very best in Irish food and drinks brands. Imagine combining that with a free, fully funded master's degree and a generous tax-free bursary. Ford Bia Talent Academy is offering you an opportunity that could change the course of your career. In partnership with UCD Michael Smurfit Graduate Business School, we're now enrolling for the Marketing Fellowship. Applications close by November 27th. For details, contact boardbia.ie slash fellowship.
1: You think, today, you're doing it. The lottery. Isn't there a new app where you pick your numbers by just shaking your phone? Nice. And maybe then you think, well, if someone's going to win it, why not me? Shake, pick, and play with the new app. The National Lottery. It could be you. Play responsibly. Play for fun.
5: Spread it. I think that there's something, there's a reason why we want it. You know, like there's a reason why Bill Hicks manifests a UFO as being what would take him home. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't know why we, we do that. Um, I don't know why it also is villainized with, uh, you know, the early days of war testing with uh, the atom bomb and, Mm -hmm. And the different cultures. I mean, even down to the, the first uh, real, like, UFO uh, abduction case, you're looking at a couple. W- this is, to me, something always overlooked, too, is that you're looking at a couple pre-1950s that were a mixed-race couple that were abducted. And there's something in that viewpoint that everybody took on it where they wouldn't believe them or listen, that I think speaks louder about where our culture was at that time than about necessarily if little green men took them away. Yeah. And I I think in a lot of these stories, it's, it's like that. Like I won't say it's not a a quote unquote alien, but I think it might be something more in the sense of something larger than what we can comprehend culturally And something that
6: yeah,
5: probably affects us far more, you know, than some, if somebody's... Some, something's you know.
3: totally going on. I know I know that for sure. And um, after all the years of research I've done and committed my life to that and um, my story just a little bit, man. I was a Christian evangelist as well and then started having some type of UFO encounters and kind of getting into reaching out to new agers and things like that and then just in the midst of reaching out to new agers just uh getting into comparative theology and just seeing where um the religious texts and the belief systems and the psychic abilities and things like that um were uh, something very much biblical but called something else by other cultures where we have the holy spirit Uh, which we're talking about the kundalini experience or whatever very similar euphorias and things like that that happened so i kind of went through the the same type of, of deal to where like i was having these experiences in you know and trying to trying to talk to christians about about ufos and about orion and seeing these things go on so um after giving my life man the last probably like five years or whatever to like putting the ministry on hold and and just focusing on what the hell's going on because just having these encounters where i was seeing things traveling into stars and coming out of stars and crazy stuff in the night skies man um i know something's going on but i don't know what it is you know and that's kind of the, the whole um uh, mystique behind it and and then in the end you know will we ever know what the hell is going on whether it, you're talking about whether it's aliens or whether it's um our government having advanced technology and, and traveling the multiverse, you know what I'm saying? We have no idea what it okay. is and there's there's so many people who have given them you know what I'm saying given themselves to finding out what's going on and they may think it's one thing but in the end something completely opposite that, you know, we may not be able to wrap our minds around as well. Maybe some type of simulation or Something like that that's being watched over by an, an, an ancient race that's been here since the beginning that seated us here. Who knows? We we don't know, you know?
5: Yeah. No, I mean I fully agree. I think my main sentiment in those things are that we only operate on so many levels. We can only see so much and we know more in science than we know with our naked eye. So who's to say that it's not things that we really can't comprehend, you know, that we don't know that is happening. That's why I'll never say something's not. Yeah, like I'll never say, "Oh, well, that, no, there's there's no UFO." There's well, no
3: well UFO. let me ask you this. With that being said, personally, do do you think that our government knows, or um, well, the think Catholic that, Church, or somebody? Do you think yeah. somebody knows exactly what the hell is going on?
5: Not exactly, no. Yeah. And the reason why I would say not exactly is because nobody does period it's vantage points when you look at anything in life it's just always a vantage point and mm-hmm. our vantage points are always so different when it goes beyond um, that yeah yeah i just don't think there's any way to quote unquote like know yeah. the full disclosure this is what's um, happening yeah, you know totally. but, yeah but i do believe that yeah obviously you know the vatican's going to have information that's going to be more than what anybody else says there's a reason why they have stuff locked away a lot of the belief on their side of it is the idea of actually protecting people because of how they may act if they learned it Mm -hmm. Uh, i i don't i see where they're coming from but i just can't agree because i don't like this idea of somebody having power over you yeah yeah, but I, I can I can see where that idea comes from. You know, I, I tattoo a lot of people that work within the government at different ranks and levels. Some that are above top secret, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about things. And I understand this want and need to protect. Um, I don't necessarily always agree with it, mm-hmm. and I, I definitely think that there's information about experiences people have had. That can be explained, Um, be it something from a different world, um, something that maybe we are already a part of and we just didn't realize it. Uh, There's so many different things. When science is saying that potentially we came from Mars in the sense of like our microbes and bacteria attached to a comet hitting Earth and causing that perfect thing that created life, it, it makes you really, like, have to step back and be like, well, what if everything is the aliens? Like, we all are. Everything is connected. If you've got this idea that our bacteria can attach to a comet and an asteroid or whatever and hit and blah, blah, blah. So maybe, again, it's things that we... At this juncture, don't have the full comprehension level to get, mm-hmm. you know. And, and there might be tidbits here or there of that that could be disclosed by people. I don't think a full thing could be. Yeah. And I think it, it gets real, real. That web gets real, real intricate. You know, it does. I'll, I've researched really in depth into a lot of those um, thoughts, and a lot of them really can get a little dangerous with fear. Um, you know, this Atlantis idea, I really, that really gets me. Um, just because it can lead people down a road of racism without yeah. them realizing it, oh, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden they start talking about blonde hair, blue eyes, white people, what came from aliens that are a superior race. And now it's like, well, actually you're just saying the same thing the Nazis did. Mm hmm which it is. I mean, that's exactly yeah. the rhetoric, but yet it's accepted and put on cable television. Like it's okay. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not. <laughs> and I, I think that's where it being so popular right now in our culture, it, it's potentially dangerous. You know, you get, uh, people that get passionate, but they are ignorant and that is dangerous. Because that's how you get people to act and then become violent in a way that's going to hurt people and that's going. How, yeah, to that's how religions are formed as well, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm always one. I, a lot of my friends, with being part of a lot of the movements that I've been a part of, um, a lot of the big things people would have issues with was this idea of religion and religion kills and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that. I believe man does. And I think man yeah. created religion. Yeah. Um, I think I almost view religion as like the kid being bullied. That's just like, I didn't do anything. Because they it, it didn't. It's just an idea. It, it's not the religion. And I think when we say religion kills or we blame things on a religion like Christianity, all we're doing is creating an enemy that's faceless when the real enemy has our face you know, the real, the real issue isn't Christianity. Yeah. The real issue is us, you know, yeah, look you, in the mirror. That's the issue.
3: Yeah. And with that, like you deal with a lot of people who are delusional. And so mm-hmm. I, like I deal with people of all faiths, man. So I deal with, um, crazy new agers, right. Who are right. just delusional, who are like, telling me that there ain't, you know, that they're angels and they really believe that they're, you know, I'm saying Melchizedek and these type of things. And I'm like,
5: <laughs> the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. yeah.
3: And then, and then on top of that, you have Christians who every thought, every thought that comes into their mind is God speaking to them and telling them to yeah. d- do crazy things. And then you have the crazy extremist, uh, you know, uh, islamist or whatever so what is the problem is it the crazy christians or the crazy new agers or whatever it's just it's just man in general that's the thing well, you can't you can't pin it on each yeah. philosophy or whatever it's just man in general man but then when you have a god backing you or whatever or you or you feel like you're speaking for this creator of the universe and he's backing right. you with these crazy thoughts then it right. gets into the weird you know whole nations being being slaughtered, man, and people being eradicated, man,
5: you know? Well, and I think it comes down to acceptance. I think that it, we're lonely. People are lonely. We long for a connection. We long for acceptance. Um, everyone you'll talk to will say they had the same high school experience for the most part, that they were not accepted, that they never felt they had a connection. They didn't feel that they were popular. They didn't feel like Anybody was really, like, there for them, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I think that says something when, you know, you think about your own high school experience and you go, yeah, I I didn't, I was lonely and I got made fun of. And all those other people didn't, obviously, they had friends, blah, blah, blah. It, It gives you a perspective that you think that, they think that, everybody thinks that, and nobody's doing anything about that.
6: Yeah,
3: you
5: know, I I think that all we want is love and acceptance. All we need is that, and uh, movements, unfortunately, can prey on that. Um, You know, it's very, very easy. I I, and I I wouldn't blame a church. I wouldn't blame anything, but I I fell victim of that. I only, well, I only say I fell victim for of it, not because of the church, but because I fell victim to myself.
6: Yeah,
3: but see, that could have been. Any type of religious organization as well that, right. that that you came into at that moment. And we see that with Jim Jones. We see that right. in a lot of positive cults as well, like some of these other churches who do have good intentions or whatever. They take a young person who comes in and they tell them, you know what I'm saying? They just give them these affirmations. Look, man, I really believe in you. You're going to be somebody. And it just depends on who's telling them that. Like we see the Jim Jones people doing that. And then we see small Church home groups doing that and, and seeing what that does for a young person mm-hmm. who's never been told that they are loved you know what well I'm saying? Jim
5: Jones was interesting because Jim Jones was actually you know at a time of civil rights was one of considered one of the yeah. most progressive uh, believers whatever you want to say uh, a church man yeah. Um, yeah. that was doing all this positive you know yeah. it, it, a lot of it what you see with him is going to Guyana. That isolation that mm-hmm. started in California, and then that just bred into the madness that ensued, yeah. um, you know, leading to the deaths of you know, 900 people, yeah. um, which I, I can't believe it's on YouTube. But for whatever reason, yeah, the the audio Yeah. that well, the documentary I can deal with, they have the actual audio. OK, well, of, I know I know some of the
3: documentaries put a little bit of it in there.
5: Yeah, they have the whole audio. Don't, don't listen to it. It's horrific. (laughs) Like it really is. It's, it's probably, I, I can handle a lot and I've dealt with a lot and not much bothers me. It, it bothers me. It's unsettling.
3: Well, you can hear people begging for their lives and stuff like that.
5: You hear kids. Mm. That's my issue is that it was a lot of children. And what he did is he had the older children give the drink to. the younger children and it was painful it was a painful poison that would cause like their bodies to like seize and it, it would kill them in not a pleasant way so you hear people screaming and crying and children and babies writhing around in pain and him over it just going it's okay yeah. it's okay come up and you got to keep going you got to yeah, keep man, going man.
3: it's just crazy it, just that whole mentality man You know what I'm saying? Like I said, whether it's Mm -hmm. an evil cult like that, which which turned out to be evil in the end, I don't know if in its conception or whatever what was going on. But I was a part of um, a group of. black hebrew israelites and but mm-hmm. they but they were some of the ones who like uh included white people in, in their sex or whatever and i did a lot of their web promo and we brought them down here we preached downtown mobile and all, all of these things they go out wearing all white and stuff and it was all cool man they were out preaching against sin and stuff like that in the streets but then um it kind of hit this this thing where like they wanted everybody to sell all their belongings and they were buying property in egypt because the end of the world was happening and some of these ancient biblical texts showed that there was this one place in Egypt that would not be harmed. And this grew into this huge movement, man, where all these people sold their, their houses, like women left their husbands to go and be with these guys. And it grew into this huge movement. And when it happened, I backed out. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Right. And so, so at the same time, they, they lost a lot of following, but what was so weird with that for me was like, after going through that and then watching the Jim Jones thing, like I seen a bunch of the stuff that the, the the leaders were saying was like spitting Jim Jones word for word. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. whenever like Jim Jones would, um, he would take trips back and forth from, um, America to where they were. And he would come back and say, look, we can't go to America. They're killing all the blacks and Indians. Right. They can't go back. They've killed them, killed them all. You know, I've seen these guys have documents and, the Prince Alfred plan and all these things were, were like, you know, Jade helm and stuff where, and have these documents and try to tell people that all the black people are going to be killed in the U S and we have to flee America and to see this cult form and people actually leave their families and, and see this happen before my eyes. It was, it was you know really crazy and understanding how people can give into that man and how they can manipulate people and put their faith in, in somebody like that and do it just like, going back to the Jim Jones things of how these people made those kids drink the Kool-Aid and they drunk it themselves. Like they really believed that this was going to happen. You know what I'm saying?
5: Well, you get so deep and it's getting so deep into something that you can't turn around. You know, it's unfortunately in the same way that it can happen with drug use or it can happen with all kinds of things. It can happen easily in that world of religion or cult. I think that, going back to that longing for acceptance, it it becomes what could be the ultimate acceptance and, and the ultimate understanding and being as one and all these things, you know, it's especially when you're younger, it's really easy to be willing to fight to the death for a cause. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you get blinded by so many things. I remember when I was heavily involved with animal rights work, um, we, would break in to the facilities when uh, the circus Barnum and Bailey would come into town to record the elephants being tasered and to record the mistreatments, which, it, you know, when you say it, it sounds like, Oh, well that's good. But the amount of danger that's you're putting yourself into the amount of harm you're potentially causing yourself in a situation that, could be handled in a different light. You know, like, for instance, today was the last day of the elephants being part of Barnum and Bailey. Um, It got phased out legally. It's gone now. Um, So there's a way it can happen without necessarily it going to certain levels by so many. I do think there needs to be the few that will go to certain levels, but not a large group not a cult, you know, it doesn't (laughs) need to be a cult, but there does, there is a need for those who are willing to um, start a fire. Yeah. You know, the only way change can come is from somebody speaking up, you know, anger. Everybody makes fun of me for saying it, but I think anger is the, the barometer for the changing weather. And I think that if you treat your anger as, something that is a powerful tool and utilize it for change, it can be good. Um, unfortunately, especially with a lot of religions that'll get utilized mm-hmm. for bad and it won't even be for change. It'll just be, we're against this. They're, you know, we're like you said, they're killing these people, killing that. We can't come back. Yeah. yada yeah, 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 yeah. When if it was, really spoken to people on a individual level, not a large group that has one person in control and power, but on the individual level of you have the power to utilize this feeling and make something happen. Um, Then good can come of it. But the second you get big groups, second you get that, that whole mentality of power and control, that's when you get evil and bad. And I think a lot of the stuff with conspiracy culture definitely reflects that, yeah. you know, like even into some of the whole secret society ideas. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think Bohemian Grove to me is just kinda of a bunch of people acting nutty doing illegal talking. <laughs> They're definitely making illegal agreements. Um but skulls and bones, then you're getting to some stuff that's like really messed up on the power level. And, and yeah. it's putting people into this level of how they view people to where you get cults or you get yeah. uh, governments that are led by the same person. You get a uh, great grandfather that supported Nazis, a grandfather that contributed in killing JFK and a father that contributed in killing G- JFK Jr. Um, you get these lineages started yeah, and uh, I do. I do. Out of all the way, I kind of sound like I'm a. Uh, I don't know. I guess a skeptic. skeptic yeah. um, there it's are good, It's things.
3: good to be though. You
5: know. <laughs> it, I think it's it's important. I think skeptics are very important. But in the flip side of it, when it comes to that belief, I, I'm not a skeptic. When it comes to the JFK assassination, I'm not a skeptic. Yeah. When it comes to prescott bush's involvement with the nazis or henry ford's involvement with the nazis or uh george jr his involvement with jfk jr being killed or 9-11 um i may not go to the extremes because i think the extremes i really think that and if that I becomes your that, doctrine that becomes your doctrine well, i think that's the that- extreme as well the powers that be use that. Imagine, like, step back for a second and say that you're just evil and you just want to destroy and you want all the power. You know, what are you going to do? Well, when you see conspiracy culture rise up, you're going to go, oh, they believe that. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm going to pick that up and I'm going to do more with it. I'm going to inform them. We can, we can talk to their... Uh, you know, Alex Jones types yeah. and give them information.
3: Where well, you got Alex Jones back in Trump <laughs> right now. Exactly. And, that, and
5: that's <laughs> what I mean. I think that this culture is so indicative of trust and that people just start to blindly trust. And I do believe that's where the, the people that are trying to maintain power manipulate. And so, you know, I wouldn't say that I am one of those that's going to talk about the whole jet fuel melting steel beams thing. Um, But I definitely believe false flag attacks that that's, it's part of the art of war. It's what's always happened and it's not right. It's horrendous and atrocious. Um, But it's definitely proven to happen. I mean, we're now admitting to what we've done with Iran and with the shah of iran in the 50s you know we actually openly as as the government admit to the things that we did at that time when it was denied for you know, i guess where we're at now 60 70 years um now they go oh yeah, yeah yeah, yeah we did it but we're not talking about that anymore yeah and a lot of this, like the conspiracy, like you don't see Alex Jones going on and on being like, it's admitted, they said it, we created this culture in the Middle East and blah, 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 blah. Instead, he just jumps to the next thing that somebody chasing him down and saying they're going to kill him. And it, it's, it's dangerous because yeah. then you have examples like William Cooper. Yeah. You know, William Cooper Early days of
3: the internet, was, like you were saying.
5: Yeah, he, his, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff with William Cooper in the sense of his, uh, uh, just machismo using his, I'm a man, man, and screw everybody else to get a point across and to use violence. And so he he died. He
3: started shooting at the police, right? You gotta understand. Yeah, he did. Well,
5: and again, that comes down to everybody's going to have something. It's like, uh, it's like Ruby Ridge or whatever. Um, But or even Waco, you know, everybody's going to have their their thought on that. Um, Let's just say for the sake of conspiracy theory that he didn't shoot first. He created a life based on the fact people would believe he shot first and that he was doing these violent acts and believing that militias are going to be the only way to do all of these things. It was. It's dangerous. It's dangerous because it, it's the beginning of, of that cult mentality. And, you know, right now, if you look statistically, the number one threat when it comes to terrorism to America is domestic. You know, you're, you're, those militias are the number one threat to America. But instead, everybody wants to blame a culture that they don't understand. A culture that's at the cradle of civilization that has been around for freaking ever, and yet now is the time that we're going to really try to say that this culture is the one doing these things. Yeah. When it's always been historically proven that it's the powers that be that manipulate these cultures back and forth. I mean, it was doing it with the Turkish Wars, it was doing it with the fall of the Ottoman Empire, it was doing it after World War II, and we told Israel and Palestine the same promise. So, oh, yeah, just give it a minute, and you both can, you know, Israel, you have this land. Oh, Palestine, give it a minute, you'll have this land. Lying to both of them. You know, it, it's the same thing when you really research historically time and time and time again those powers that be manipulating religions, groups, yeah. things to maintain control. Have and you it, it heard... Back to that. What's up?
3: Have you heard the audio of Alex Jones uh, on Y2K?
5: Oh, my God. Have you Um, heard that? (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I just listened to that, and I can't remember why I did, but I just listened to it. And that, I mean, uh, I think he...
3: He was trying to get riots started, man.
5: Oh, yeah. He was trying to do the same thing that Charles Manson was. I mean, he was trying to start this violent revolution helter skelter basically I and mean, he, he was doing the same thing
3: yeah he was reporting all the power plants being shut down there's mass riots in the streets like he was on radio trying to get people to incite riots off of his false flags you know that's crazy oh man.
5: yeah it sounded like war of the worlds yeah like it exactly. sounded almost like the reading of war of the worlds yep. it, it's absurd you know i think alex jones probably at one point started in a genuine world. And I think I, I feel really bad for him because when you really watch some of these videos that he'll make, that's like him in the hotel bathroom. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I saw this one. I want to say he was visiting New York and it's him with now, you know, with phones, he can record great video. So he's recording himself and he's like, Man, I was leaving the studio, going down, and these two guys in suits came up to me. I knew that they were with the government because they were in suits. And they looked at me, and they said, you're Alex Jones. And I said, how do you know that? And they said that they were my fans. I don't believe that. Why would they be my <laughs> fans in suits? So I ran. And he's like out of breath in the hotel room talking about running from someone that said they were his fans. Yeah. Like that's schizophrenia. You know that's what, though? It, it
3: totally comes with the, ter- the territory. Um, I kind of experienced that on a small level with, like, getting into, like, um, in, in high school, I was really big into Marilyn Manson and mm-hmm. uh, shaved my eyebrows and wore lipstick and, and, you know, fingernail polish and did the whole gothic thing in southern Alabama, in oh, Satsuma, yeah, I, I Alabama, right? <laughs> and so, like, I had, like, the whole football team wanting to fight me, right. and and I didn't know who the whole football team was. And so I would be out in public at 14 years old and dudes be following me. Like, you know, I turn around and these dudes were like, hey, dude, they're calling me out and stuff. Like and so I would go to I would go to baseball games or go to different cities. And these people were there who knew who I who, who knew who I was. And it it caused this weird hysteria for me. And I would always be fearful of it. And it was real, though. Like I would go places at, at 14 and people wanted to fight me and i had no idea who they were and and they you know i'm saying my reputation preceded me and people would tell me yeah man
0: amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development
1: That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: And they're gonna jump you at the end of um, first quarter, and people wanting to fight you for no reason. So that created this weird hysteria, man, that I had to kind of, you know, get over. And then I moved to Louisiana, and I kind of kept the same persona there, and the same the same exact thing happened. Like a 17 carloads of dudes come to my house, all the football team wanting to fight me. And I'm just a gothic, right? I mean, I'm I'm messing with them a little bit or whatever, but, um, you know, in the witchcraft and black magic and stuff like that. But it, it, it put me in this weird place. And, I, and, and, and even so me as a small high school student going through that mentally, you can imagine Alex Jones going through that as well on a huge you know, place where, you know, some people do want to harm him. Some people do I, want to shake his hand and get an autograph. But he has William. no idea who's who, you know?
5: And I think I'm always a firm believer. I'll always go back to the eyes of fear and the eyes of love. Um, I, I, growing up down here as a, a skater punk. that
2: SuperValue has even more click and collect slots now available. Order online in minutes and collect at the store at a time that suits you. Shop online today at SuperValue.ie. Charge up for family adventures with the Land Rover range of plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. With pioneering hybrid technology, the Land Rover range offers the perfect balance of efficiency, power and performance, both on-road and off, making every journey effortlessly refined. Enjoy the road less travelled with ease. Explore the 2021 Land Rover range of plug-in hybrids at LandRover.ie. Land Rover. Above and Beyond
5: then was really into Christianity while still being really into hardcore and punk rock and skateboarding. I wasn't cool anywhere and everybody at one point wanted to beat me up, which happened a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you get carpet burn on your face from being dragged across the gym floor by your ankles once. And that's hard to explain, but when it happens twice, it's even worse to have to try to explain to people well, yeah, it happened again. Yeah, they beat me up again. Yeah. But it it for me instead of ingraining this idea of fear with people, it did the opposite and instead when people would start to act that way with me, I just wouldn't back down, but I wouldn't back down in violence. It would just me be, be me listening and then being like, "Why are you mad? What's wrong? What's really going on? Let's talk." Nine times out of ten, they got annoyed and just left. Um, But then you did get situations where people would open up and you'd start to understand. And I think when we eliminate fear and we eliminate a fear of people and we begin to embrace people, um, you can see that breakdown and you can see where you may have felt uh, powerless. You can see now where you do have that power to be able to control a situation that is, involves you, you know, I can't control anyone else. I can't control any any actions that anyone else will have, but I can control what my perceptions will be. And if it ends with me dying because somebody beat me up, then that's fine. You know, I'd rather believe that that person has some good there, and, and that that got instilled in me pretty young when I got. Again, more active and involved in anarchism and a lot of beliefs of uh, different Russian writers and, uh, you know, from pushing even from Russian into uh, early American culture of the 1900s uh, of the worker movements, Emma Goldman and uh, others that were working within those groups. Um, that was a huge part of it. Of If they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Like, I I don't fear that if you're going to do it, do it. If you're going to kick my ass, do it because I've got other stuff to do. Like, I don't have time to to worry about you. I don't have time to wonder what you're going to do. I don't have time to think about all of these things. I'm too busy living. I've got too many things to do. And if you want to do it, do it. If not, let's talk about it. Let's see why you're mad. Let's move on. (laughs) You know, like. I think if we, especially within the conspiracy culture, if you could get people to, to eliminate fear, to, to get rid of the fear mongering, to not make people feel like everybody's out to get them and instead just go, you know, if they are, they are, let's do something now. Yeah. You know, like taking that energy utilizing it like if if the energy that was taken into whether or not ufos are real was utilized into feeding and clothing the homeless of a community no one would go hungry you know and, and that's my only gripe with a lot of it is i don't disagree with it but don't do so much about something you have no control over yeah Like, let's use this for for the greater good. Like, yeah, man, I totally... There's UFOs, Bigfoot, and JFK's brain is somewhere in Cuba. I honestly probably totally agree on all of it. Um, But I want to make sure that kid has something to eat tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if a lot of the people within these cultures were unified in that and realized that they have the power, I think that, like, you know, if Alex Jones was saying these things, if there were these large...
3: Yeah, speakers
5: were saying those things that that would be the opportunity there. Or even now, just
3: the church, man. You know what I am saying of yeah. who, of who they're supposed to to represent. Like if they could just instead of debating about what Jesus said, debating right. about the prophets and and what does this mean, and have Bible studies and all this stuff, and yeah. just simply do the things that He said do. Like what would happen av- with that that mass of people just simply did what Jesus said do. Love your enemies. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Look after the orphans and the widows oh. and, and, you know what I'm saying, help those. Pray for your enemies. Bless your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Like, if you really took that serious and you let that work be done in you, like, you know, th- there's really no uh, end to the possibilities about where we would be right now. Because if we look at Christ or his followers, disciples, or whatever, that was just a small group of people started something that they really believed in. Right. And so all of these people we have now who claim to believe in that story or whatever, but it's not manifested through their life. um, That's when we get into just debating the ideas and the doctrines and the theologies and who's right versus just simply doing what he said, do man.
5: Well, and I think that was something that was even said in biblical times, Mm -hmm. you have parables and ideas where Jesus will talk about, all kinds of things that would be like, you know, you can debate it or you can do it. Yeah. You know, you can, you can talk or you can get off your ass.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, and unfortunately, I think that what happens in groups, you know, it's like the idea of Jeffersonian politics that something needs to be literally whatever structure is created must be destroyed every couple of years to create a new. Um, I think it's the same way. And I think that what happens in groups is that you have them get comfortable, they continue on in their security and power. they know that they're going to be okay. they know that everybody's provided for and taken care of, but then they still need more and they need more and they need more money, they need more power, they need more land, they need this or that. I mean America is so guilty of needing more and more defense. We need more and more defense. We need to make sure that we have more money to defend against the enemy when the enemy's at home in the sense of it's ourselves. So I think that same mindset, if it was just taken into this account of like, okay, let's destroy and recreate, then you keep that freshness that you're talking about and you keep that that spirit alive. If we didn't live in the eyes of fear, a fear of what will happen if a society changes, then we could get so much more done and so many more things would happen. You know, like things change, Uh, businesses end, governments end. Uh, capitalism ends you know rome fell and you continue onward and and you continue moving forward and not fear it and i think the fear is the thing that that keeps that power over people and you can see it with everything it's the way that all kinds of groups will utilize a uh, a feeling that someone may have in order to manipulate it into making them commit actions that they wouldn't normally commit. Yeah. It, it's yeah. sad. And, and I say it's sad because I think that, again, the, the way to move past that is to just look at where that person's coming from and try to identify with them. You know what I mean? And to, to love them unconditionally. Yeah. When you love unconditionally, it changes who you are. Yeah. And it's you don't have to try. You know, you make the effort the 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 change your mindset and all of a sudden you find yourself always paying attention and always <laughs> noticing that person leaving the grocery store with that look in their face that just looks like sad. And that you say hi to that person or do something nice and they're just gonna be blown away and it might not be much, but I know for me when I was at the depths of depression and, and all I could think about was suicide, those people doing that are what would keep me around. Yeah. And that gives us that opportunity to do that. You know what I mean? Like on such an individual level of just like loving unconditionally all of those around. I think once that happens, it, it creates a united power and a united front that really could be completely unstoppable if it would happen.
3: Yeah. And I think it's, it's uh simple as well. Like that. I think what we're talking about is something that, that we can do, right? Like we can go out tomorrow and do it. We can go out today and do it. Whether it's speaking that kind of word, shaking somebody's hand, touching somebody on the shoulder, you know what I'm saying? Uh, just, the, just the power in these small things, man, that gets overlooked, Because we look at people as an inconvenience or we feel like society has wronged us or whatever. It's like once we get over that stuff and then we can think about others or we see others as an extension of ourselves, right? Treat others how we want to be treated. Um, It moves past all of the the different spiritual things or whatever, like we're talking about, to just something very tangible. To where I remember when I was going through some hard times as a Christian, um, a few years ago, when we we're talking about like being shunned by all of my friends and all of my constituents, with uh, you know evangelist friends, people who were wanting to go out there and win the world for Jesus, these type of people, um, and they all kind of like turned their back on me without even—I I didn't even hear from any of them, right? And then maybe a year or two passed by, and, and I talked to one of them like, "Hey, man, you know, we've been praying for you, man." It's like, "Well, dude, you can keep your prayers, man. All I need is a phone call." Like a phone call would have been amazing, man. Well, we've been praying for you. It's like, dude, just a phone call, just something that simple, man, just to let people know that you care. So I believe I went through all of that stuff to learn from it, to see other people who have maybe been in similar situations where they feel abandoned and left out and overlooked or whatever, to see just the small implications, man, just the small things that we that we can do. To brighten up somebody's day and essentially change their life, man. To speak into somebody's life a blessing, you know what I am saying? Just speaking a positive okay. word over
5: somebody. Yeah, I think that you have to. It, when bad, or what you view as bad, happens, uh, it's something you have to embrace, you know, because you now have an opportunity for a lesson. Um, you know, with uh, my mom passing last week, that was my viewpoint on is that this is a amazing opportunity for for learning. And for growth and for development, I think that uh, hitting rock bottom at points in your life and and having such a difficult time is, in the end, a blessing. Because you now have the opportunity to identify with people in a real way and to, to be able to tell them, like, I understand where you're at. Like, I know and me, it yeah. sucks. Like, I know that feeling. Like, I know why you're doing what you're doing. I did that. You know, I've done those acts. I, I've done all the things that you're doing to try to destroy yourself. And I get it. You know, it sucks. It's horrible. And you're not alone. And you're not bad. And you're not uh, you know, evil. You're not doing these things because you're a bad person or you don't deserve love or any of these things. Um, it gives us such an opportunity if we're willing to embrace it when turmoil and struggle and strife come our way. You know, if you, if you don't fear it, if you don't view it as why does this always happen to me, why am I always the one that have to deal with this, why all these things, and you view it as like, thank you, you know, thank you. Okay, I can, I can do this. And, and you thank the universe and you think whatever it is. And view it as like, okay, here's my opportunity. This is my chance. This is my opportunity to, to shine, to, to learn, to grow. Um, I think that that is where true knowledge really comes from, is from those experiences. You know, until you know the worst of the world, you can never understand the best. And until you yeah. know the, the absolute bottom, there's no way you can ever feel. The top, you know, like you can't understand how vital and important the light is until you've been in the dark for so long. Totally, and and I, I think that if we were willing to really look at ourselves and be honest about where we are and how we are, that we would all see that we have those points and times, and that within us we have the ability to make people feel amazing to make them feel I mean in the end it's up to them they'll make themselves feel however it is but you have that opportunity to at least tell them you're amazing you're awesome you know that's why I love my job I get to do that for six hours a day you know six hours a day on one person sometimes nine hours sometimes 12 hours on one person a day I get to sit with them and talk to them and when they start to open up about themselves, when they start to open up about how they feel about things and how they really view what's going on in their lives, you then get to be there with them and, and tell them, no, you're awesome. You're not, don't, don't come down on yourself. You're not bad. You're You're sitting here through this and you're sitting amazing. And I know it hurts, but you're doing really, really good or, you know, what it can get really deep, and it can get real philosophical, and they can start opening up about their life. And I've had a lot of clients. They're just like, "Oh, I'm a terrible person. Oh, I'm a scumbag. Oh, am yeah. this, that." And I get that chance to sit with them and be like, "No, you're not. <laughs> you're not a bad person. You know, you're not. You don't deserve bad. You don't deserve this or that. Like you've got good in you." Yeah. That's where I think that for my job, it's. I never call myself like an artist or anything like that. Like a tattooist is a sacred word, and it's the opportunity to sit with someone and and share that with them. Mm -hmm. You know, to to put someone into pain, you're already bringing them to a different level, and (laughs) you're, you're literally like opening up their body, and what you put in it is what is going to heal with them. Yeah, that's good. And it, it, it's up to you what you're going to put in it. You know, I, I think my clients...
3: something that they're going to remember forever.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something that will stay with them. I, I, I think that my clients come back to me for that reason. You know, the, the tattoos are solid tattoos, but I think that that attitude and that connection far outweighs the quality of work you know i I think that they know going into it i'm going to be open and rooting for them and that i'm going to be listening to them and that i'm going to be taking in their experience and and giving a feedback of, of encouragement and of honest growth you know like i'll tell them when i've been in the same place I'm not afraid to be able to open up and be like, yeah, I've been there. I, I've, I've tried that or I've had that thought or I've done this thing or, you know, oh, you think you've done bad. Well, let me tell you about this stupid thing I did. You know, like, Oh, you think you getting drunk or doing this is bad. Imagine getting drunk and jumping out of a third story window. Cause I did that. Like it, it gives you that opportunity to unite people to where they know they're not alone. Yeah. You know, and then, in that, they then heal and both ways, and they get to leave and look at that piece. And for the rest of their life, it can be something that they're like, I am great. Okay, cool. Yeah. I am great. I'm a good person. Yeah. And, and then tattooing these people for years, I get to watch them grow as people. And for me, I'm honestly, I feel like it's, it's selfish at times on my side because I just get to grow and be encouraged by watching them. You know, you watch people start out as one thing where they're not living the life that they're meant to live. And it can be anything from drug dealing to partying to, you know, really bad stuff. Um, And then years later, they can be on top of the world, taking care of some kids and having this positive thought and starting charity organizations or nonprofits or any of these things. You know, those are the times I'm like, man. I almost feel selfish because this is what I get to experience. I get to take that in and learn from these people and watch this growth and watch this development. Now I think that with my job, I'm probably the luckiest person alive because I get to be there with people and I get to experience that with them.
3: That's awesome, man. You definitely get to inspire a lot of people. And I think that goes um, pretty far as well where you kind of, putting the uh, message even above the art because the art is phenomenal it's not just good it's it's phenomenal man you guys are the best uh in town man your work has been featured in so many magazines and things like that it's honestly anybody listening if you guys need to travel to daphne alabama and check out the bell rose tattoo in the work of Sean Herman and the staff there as well. I've been tattooed by some of the guys up there. Uh, some amazing yeah, work. Dude. Tattooed you right. Who's that? AJ tattooed. Yeah, AJ, man. AJ, yeah.
5: AJ's amazing, man. I mean, all the guys there. Um, again, it's kind of another selfish thing on my side. I get to be around these guys that are genuine, heartfelt, amazing dudes. And, and, and they they blow me away with so many different things that they'll do. Like we've had times where I've tried to give them bonuses and they try to refuse it because they don't, they want that money to be there for the shop, you know, or like the conversations they have, like Paul, the amount of work Paul does with former Marines, uh, with vets and just with people in general. Now, I mean, he's trying to start a nonprofit that's just aimed at helping people get what they need when they've been in bad situations. Mm -hmm. You know, he was in this gnarly motorcycle wreck that almost killed him and would have killed anyone. And what he got out of it wasn't why, you know, why this happened to me. What was me? It was I need to give back and help because people tried to help me and did help me. And now I need to do that. And he's done it tenfold in just a year he's he's helped more people than i could even fathom and that's like what drives him and it's honest honest and genuine you know he's still good old crazy fun-loving paul that then in the same breath is going to try to make sure this person that was in a terrible car wreck or was in these bad situations has what they need um i think my inspiration comes from these guys you know every one of them individually there's something that you can talk about for hours I mean down to not even just the tattooers I mean Aaron the piercer is Mm -hmm. so genuine and so heartfelt helps so many people in so many different ways that just kind of goes unseen by others Um, Kyle who does everything that you can imagine for a business to have I mean he is the multimedia branding and, and advertising and a lot of the creation development that we have for the web presence for so many things, you know, it comes from this guy and it's amazing. And then he'll be the first one that when he's looking at everybody's work, he's just like, man, that's an awesome tattoo. That's amazing. That's so good. And he's so genuine and encouraging that you're just like, really, really, really? you think so? And it just makes you feel amazing. And getting to be around every one of them every day is, I'm very lucky. Yeah. And I think that that's why what comes out of there comes out of there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know.
3: Yeah, I don't know what you guys did, man, but you guys have assembled a team of some of the best of the best that's that's out there, man. The artwork speaks for itself. There's tattoo shops on like every corner, man. But to see the work coming from you guys, I think it goes to show that the waiting list, like I know the majority of you guys have this these huge waiting lists to actually have a sit down with you guys and it's because the work shows for itself, man.
5: It's, well it's actually it's not too bad now. It's yeah. not okay, it's gonna kind of slow down a little bit. Well, i I guess it's what people would view as long. Um, you know, most of the guys are, are I was here
3: in nine months for for you.
5: I well for me I'm two years, but the other guys are, are typically just a few months. Okay. Um, so I, I only say that to say like I, I say it in a way of people not to be discouraged, like, yeah. you know, definitely there's somebody that can take care of anything so- anybody needs. At any point in time, Um, it's not really an exorbitant weight. My weight is honestly just because I have been tattooing for 13 years now and I tattoo the same people. So they just keep coming back and keep coming back. So it it becomes a weight, but it's only because usually once I start tattooing somebody, I don't really stop. Mm -hmm. And it'll, you know, there's some people I've been tattooing now for 12 years straight. So it, it just keeps on going. So I, that's the only reason, really, for for my wait. But mm-hmm. the the rest of the guys is, you know, you might have to wait a few months. But I think that it's definitely worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, definitely worth it. We also have walk-ins it, right? too. You know, there, there, we definitely can always take walk-ins. Yeah. And definitely everything. worth it. Yeah, man. Okay. So
3: yeah, man. Anybody listening? If you guys want to check out the artwork as well, you can go to the. The website for the Bell Rose will have the link in the description. We'll also have the Serpents of Bienville uh, link in the description as well. So you'll be able to check out the artwork that we were talking about with these different stories. So you can actually purchase prints there as well. I want to encourage you guys, everybody listening to go there, pick up one of the prints, man. And so you have the story right there with you.
5: Thank you. Yeah, we've got um, the prints available for purchase. Um, Oh, and the shop website is thebellrosetattoo.com. Um, But for the serpents, we've got uh, the prints available for purchase. We've got them in two different sizes. But then we also have uh, my wife's photography. Her prints are available along with my photography and then the photo manipulations that I do, too. Um, On top of more and more stuff that we're trying to grow with the web store, we're trying to make the web store almost more of a distribution for local art Um, So that'll be a process we're going to be trying to work on this summer where we're going to try to get it set up to where uh, local artists can have a venue to sell their creations via the Internet. So take advantage of maybe the numbers for the website and the people coming in and that exposure to try to help local artists get their stuff out there.
3: Definitely, man. Thanks for coming on. There's so much more that I want to talk to you about. There's so much uh, notes that I have here that we haven't even touched on. But um, would definitely you know like to have you back on if you. Oh man, yeah. Bless you let me that. know.
5: Yeah. Honestly, let me know uh, anytime you want. I'm great with it. Um, I did a article for a magazine out of London, and I guess probably because of all the talking, it ended up becoming a like two part longer article that they weren't really expecting, uh, which was awesome and great because they published it in multiple issues. So if you want to do that multiple parts or have me back or yeah, what or definitely, because
3: like, there's so many different streams that we can touch on even even some that we kind of opened up a little bit that we can explore even further so definitely man we'll definitely have you back on
5: i appreciate it man and uh we're going to be starting our conversational podcast hopefully within the next few weeks um and if you were into it we would, <laughs> would love to have you on if that was anything that you would like to do we'd love to talk to you on it
3: no doubt definitely i'd love to come on awesome
5: Awesome, man. Well, thank you, and thank you for this uh, opportunity. It's really—I tell my wife—it's really awesome the amount of things that you've got passion about that is so apparent, and the amount of work you've been putting out in a short period of time, and trying to create something positive uh, for the people, not only in this community but for the people all around with the web presence and. Yeah. It's awesome to see. So thank you for the amount that you put into it because I think that is something that everybody can learn from and be inspired by.
3: Yeah, definitely, man. So I just wanted to show my audience and the world your work, man, just to kind of you know, be a, a portal you know, for your work, man, and we'll see what happens. So thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by WebCreatorPros.com. If you're looking for a professional website at an affordable price, head on over to WebCreatorPros.com, type in the promo code, truth to save $200 on your first website webcreatorpros.com
4: If you would like to sponsor the show or advertise on the Mythicist podcast, you can do so by going to www.mythicist.me and click on Sponsor the Show for more info. If you would like to support the show financially, you can do that also by going to mythicist.me and become a monthly supporter. We appreciate your monthly support. Won't you come,
6: come and take me?
4: audio via your smart speaker a wonderful hands-free experience leaving you more time to unwrap a miniature Wispa, pick up a box of cadbury heroes today stay at home and share them with your family or friends sometimes it's the little things that bring us together
1: if you want a better tomorrow start heading for it today lower your emissions
0: and pay less tax than diesel With Toyota's incredible range of self-charging hybrid electric cars, there's contributions of up to €3,000. And now, with a 2% VAT reduction, there's never been a better time to join the thousands of drivers who've made Ireland's best-selling car a Toyota hybrid. Contact your dealer or explore the range at toyota.ie and start your electric journey today. Toyota. Built for a better world. Terms and conditions apply